0: This week on Big you Meow.
1: With your hosts, Jason Diak
0: and Tim Minici.
2: Jay, this week we are recording an episode, believe it or not, that uh, you picked. You picked this album, Jay.
1: Is that why I'm here?
2: Yeah, that's why you're here.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. That's why oh, I cool. convinced
2: you to show up this week, because uh, you're ready to go on strike, because it had been many months since you picked an episode for us to review. Many so, moons. Uh, so I reeled you back in from the edge, and uh, we're, at, we're close to the end of the 2016 season, our sixth season, and... We've only got, uh, I think, three episodes left after this one, and then we're done. We go into 2017 Season 7. Lots of fun stuff planned for that. But, before we get to that, we got to wrap up this year. And we're doing so with a one and done band, Jay, that you picked. That's right.
1: Why don't you tell us who they are. I picked Imperial Drag. So, yeah. this is... You'll do the history, but uh, high level. This is the f- one of the sh- offshoots uh, the main offshoot of jellyfish
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah one record and i was pretty big fan of jellyfish and really loved the first single from this record so i went all in went out and got it as soon as it came out and, and listened to it quite a bit so i'm uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it and, and also going back and revisiting myself because i haven't listened to it in quite a while
2: yeah so let's do a brief history and then and then as we get into the review i'll i'll kind of share my history with this and then also which will tie into my talking about it history
0: of the band.
2: the band formed in 94 as you mentioned jellyfish had broken up uh roger joseph manning jr on keyboards was the uh, member of Jellyfish, the the, per- the permanent member. And then Eric Dover, who was a touring member of Jellyfish, as well as a member of Slash's Snake Pit, joined on vocals and guitar. On bass was Joseph Carnes, And on drums, Eric Scotus Or Sk- Skodis. I don't know how you say his last name. S-K-O-D-I-S. Could be many ways to say that one.
1: The guys in the band just call them the Scode. The
2: Scode. That's it. There you go. So they formed in 94. In 96, they released their only album, the self titled Imperial Drag. It was released on the Work Group label. They released a single, Boy or a Girl. It reached the number 30 position on the Modern Rocks track in the United States number 54 in the UK. And then in 2005, they released Demos, a compilation of demos, non-album tracks. Um, And then five additional tracks were released through the Not Lame Recordings website. Those are the only two official releases by the band, which actually broke up uh, a year after this was released in 1997. Uh, Roger Manning went on to do solo work. And Mr. Dover, after uh, this band, he, he, well, he currently fronts a band called Sextus, S-E-X-T-U-S. And they released their debut album, Stranger Than Fiction, uh, in 2008. And he has toured with uh, some other folks. Um, including Alice Cooper.
1: Did you know that? I again? think he did. Uh, I did. I don't think so, but I did. I think he did Slash just after this, right? Oh,
2: oh did he? Okay. I think
1: yeah. I think he when his left this band broke up. He went to and did the Slash thing. Okay. He also, I believe, he's the singer in the infamous Eddie Van Halen party tape so if you go on youtube there is uh, a bunch of video footage from um a very um uh large party that eddie van halen had at his house in like 2005 i think okay and he performs in the his backyard and the band is a bunch of different guys but i think eric dover is the singer so if you want to hear eric dover sing jump and a couple other van halen tunes you could, he might be the like the the fourth singer of Van Halen. Oh, uh, the I mean, the, uh, I mean the the hidden the, singer. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, there's yes, Van Halen's had three singers, but Eddie Van Halen's really only ever been on stage with those three guys, right? So this would be the fourth.
2: Now, I do want to mention that in terms of the official release for this record, there's a couple different versions. The original version was 14 songs at 13 credited or 13 listed tracks and then had an uncredited bonus track if you go to spotify that f- bonus track is not included and there was a japanese version which included included a second bonus track called hey honey please
1: what's the bonus track
2: the bonus track is called down with the man
1: oh okay i didn't know that was a bonus track yeah so it's i mean it's not like hidden or anything
2: okay It's It's
1: just track 14. So I just always thought it was part of the record.
2: I didn't, uh, I don't have the actual physical copy of this. So I was using the
1: Spotify,
2: you know, version.
1: It might say in parentheses bonus.
2: So let's talk Uh, about this record, Jay.
1: Let's do it.
2: Released May 96. So it's 20 years old. Um, We did get some Patreon feedback on this. Mr. Scott Witt said, I remember seeing Slash and Eric do a couple of songs acoustic on Howard Stern TV. Love that guy's voice. I bought this album just because of him. Felt like they were trying to do an updated homage to T-Rex. Fantastic album that came out at the wrong time. Let's get into our comments, his comments, and talk about Imperial Drag. Jay, since you picked this one, Jay, I'm going to start with what uh, one thing I, I liked about this and um i'm gonna bounce off of what scott said there which is the glam element uh i I feel like there was sort of a a a not too covert attempt to re bring glam back in its sort of 70s uh version of t-rex and bowie and and uh those sorts of bands not the know some people when they talk about glam they're talking about hair metal from the 80s and that's not what we're talking about we're talking about the the original version of that and i feel like with bands like suede and placebo and space hog and maybe you could even include like the chainsaw kittens somewhat which we were talked to those guys back years ago um there was a there was a there was a bit of an effort to bring back a bit of a glam sound um in the mid to late 90s and uh this band uh, is definitely doing that and it's really cool and interesting version of glam it it also has some elements reminding me of like cheap trick uh his voice is not too far off on some of the songs from robin zander's voice okay and there's songs like uh like cross-eyed which that song sounds like it could be Uh, a direct descendant of 70s cheap trick So I really like that sound. And I I don't even know how to... Maybe we can get into it because eventually we'll need to do a roundtable because we've done roundtables on different genres of music in the 90s. Um, Emo, metal, uh, punk, that kind of stuff. Maybe we need to do a glam one so that we can kind of define what makes a a band sound glam or what the elements Mm. are that go into it. Because it's a bit of a difficult... Thing to nail down, in some ways it's about presentation, in some ways it's about attitude. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think that a song like "Boy or a Girl," which is the lead single, really has this. I don't want to say it's a, a direct uh, homage to to T. Rex, but it definitely has that feel. Um, I think because the the way that the song starts with that being driven by the bass and the and the drums and having that like. You know, T-Rex had a very, I guess, simple approach to a lot of the songs. They were built around like two or three chords, but they had this, maybe I don't know how to describe it because I'm not a drummer, but there's a particular like rhythm that was kind of, and bounce to the bass line that reminded me a lot of T-Rex. And um, I think that's the thing that I really enjoyed about this overall. It's just, it's such a breath of fresh air in terms of it not sounding like anything, but sounding really good in terms of the songwritings there. The vocal is there. Um, He's an interesting lyricist. There's, there's cool hooks to a lot of the songs um, that are unexpected in, in definitely a a number of the tracks and um, their incorporation. And then that's being Roger Manning incorporation of the keyboards. He does a lot of cool, uh, interesting keyboard parts that in some ways, remind me of uh, more of like John Paul Jones keyboard playing with Led Zeppelin than they mm-hmm. do any sort of glam stuff. So that's that's w- the one thing that I liked about this bringing the glam back and doing it really well. What about you?
1: Well, you just hit on it. I um, got into the band because of that that a glam element. I really also like the sound of the analog synth stuff, um, which is you know showcased in Boy or Girl so that guy was the hook in the band. Um, I, I like the similarities to some of the jellyfish, like kind of melodies and whatnot,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but in revisiting it, what I really liked was I heard all the Zeppelin sound that yeah. I didn't hear the first time. Uh, for whatever reason, I just didn't make that connection, uh, as clearly, but now going back, boy, it, there's a lot of really, uh, I think, I think in a good way references, so in that, like you said, it, it's, it's through the keyboard, it's through the drums, it's through, even through the bass playing. Um, and I think what's made me also think about what's kind of under understood, not understood about Zeppelin is that, and this band, is a lot of what's going on here isn't guitar driven. So, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody thinks of Jimmy Page with Zeppelin, but really a lot of their music is very, very much driven by the bass and the drums, and later, even mid-period, adding you know keyboards, and the guitars' tones aren't huge, and they're not huge on this record, and the riffs aren't huge, and they're not really showcased. I mean, this is—it's definitely a guitar rock band, but it's not like some bands where it is the predominant, you know, mid-range sound. All the songs um, you can tell are not maybe they have a, a guitar riff basis but they're not held down by the guitar like no and even some of them uh, that I prefer are lighter, either in that they they'll break they'll do like uh you know a guitar riff and then break and then do a vocal riff over just air or over just drums uh, there's a couple teams that do that that I love where just the drums just, or the guitars just disappear you know and then they mm-hmm. come back um there's a lot of good verses that are not guitar driven they're mostly you know boy or girl is a good example of that i mean it's mostly you know bass keys and and drums driven um so going back and, and revisiting in that revisiting it that really became apparent and i and i enjoyed that quite a bit i mean i think the performances on here are are excellent i mean just like jellyfish i mean these are all excellent musicians um everything is super tight um i think they can do the t-rex feel without totally aping t-rex you know which uh, you know you hear other bands kind of do it it's it almost sounds like a ripoff i think this is an homage or at least a you know inspired by but
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: boy or girl really from an instrument standpoint doesn't do anything that t-rex really does it's more of a feel it's a feel thing. yeah i mean they're not using any of the same instrumentation other than <laughs> yes there's a the drum kit but other than that you know T Rex didn't have analog synths, and right. it's kind of like it almost sounds like a like an '80s new wave band doing T Rex, but it's in 1996. and yeah. the vocals are different, but musically it's more like what the what the tone is of that song. I think there's stuff like that also kind of surprised me that I enjoyed uh, the second time around with some of the slower things. So something like Man in the Moon, mm-hmm. um, parts of that song could almost be like a failure song. You know, they're very—it's very spacey and atmospheric, and textured, and kind of—you know—slower tempo. think where it starts to turn is you know there's a couple songs slow songs in here that aren't great there's a couple choruses on this record that aren't great i think overall i'll hand it over to you on some some of your thoughts on the maybe that what's not working but i think the song rating is is good sometimes really good and other times pretty average um and i think that's my impression on revisiting it and maybe you know, why it was one and done or it didn't go any further than this. But, um, those are my, my initial thoughts.
2: Well, in terms of what there, there isn't a whole lot that didn't work for me. Um, I think the albums paced pretty well. I think there are some, maybe a, one or two missed opportunities. Like I think, for example, like staring to the sun, uh, which is the longest song on the record at over five minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, his vocal doesn't do a lot for me on that song whereas the music is really cool. Um, it's sort of a mid-tempo-y, even closer to almost slow, but not slow in the sense like a, a ballad, but it's just a, it's yeah. a slower track. Um, but there's uh, cool guitar leads and stuff that go on in that song that set it apart. And I I don't know, the, the vocal, I don't know what he's going for, but it's a bit different. But there's a cool like electric piano th- sounding thing in that song, and it's yeah. kind of... Wish it had maybe been a little bit shorter and maybe the fo- the vocals a little bit more focused. But in terms of, you know, they they have like the short under three minute like dandelion, which is just an acoustic song. Um, I think it's you know they only do it once, so it's it kind of works well uh, as just a little bit of a change of pace. Yeah, um, it also allows him to play around with the melody a little bit more. It almost has like a. Um, If you remember that band, we, uh, well, you weren't on the episode, I'm sorry, but Seven Horse. uh, It almost has like a Seven Horse feel uh, in the sense that he gets like a little bluesy with some of the vocal in that song.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty, um, this is one that stood out as, I I think it's good. I think it's a nice little change of pace, but boy, it's pretty different, right? I mean, it's, there's nothing else on the record that even... Comes close to it. I don't even think there's that much, if any, acoustic guitar on the record. So, no, I mean, not this even is just a
2: secondary, like, uh, filler instrument.
1: Yeah, it's pretty different.
0: See me bleeding. Do you have to see me like this? Why must you watch me cry? Just let the snow. Close your pretty eyes and think of your dead.
1: What do you think of Salvation Army Band?
2: Musically, I liked it. It had like a very kind of um, bombastic '70s kind of feel.
1: It definitely felt the most like Sergeant Pepper's Beatles esque kind
2: of yeah, like thing. like That kind of thing. Um, also headed into like I don't want to say Queen, but it, you could hear some Queen in there. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a little a little fun and campy. There's a bit of a, I guess, a sense of humor to it.
2: Right. I don't know that, I think that's another one where I don't know that the the vocals necessarily work great for me.
1: Yeah, Um,
2: Probably my only negative in terms of like the songs that don't work usually have the music, but the, the three or maybe four out of all the songs that I don't care for are usually because I feel like the vocals are underdeveloped or just they are just not what I was looking for in the song. Um, still leaves quite a number of tracks that I did like, but I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a song on here that really think about it. Maybe Spider is maybe a song that I don't necessarily love the music. I don't know what you would call that rhythm that they're doing in that song, but it's got this groove. That's, it's not a, <laughs> uh, I don't know. What would you call that Jay? It's a percussive is this
1: yeah, it's got the extra percussion in it. Yeah, it the one that sounds a little bit like uh, Low Rider. Yeah, it's got a, <laughs> you you could yeah you could compare it to Low
2: Rider. Um, that's the only one where musically I was like mm, I don't know if this works for me um, compared to what they were doing on the rest of the album. Otherwise, musically, I there's so many interesting little keyboard parts and guitar parts and the bass is doing a lot to you know with with the drums to propel the songs that i didn't really have a a bone to pick with most of the musical aspects it was just a couple of songs like i said that were there it was just like eh, i'm not loving the choice for the vocals whether it's like distorting the vocals or kind of sometimes there's a couple there's an instance where he like kind of they're just like muffled and i don't really love that with this with this band i want to hear like clear vocals and hooks like that's what he does really well with like zodiac sign and boy really the front end of the record it is really well written in terms of not just the melodies but the lyrics too there's always something interesting that he's saying as when it comes to the lyrics
1: yeah i wonder if that comes from the uh, jellyfish background in that i think this band is best when they're just they're just a rock band you know yeah. and they, they they play well they bring an interesting sound. You know, it's an interesting format with the with the, all the keyboards. The, the, vocally, I think the voice is good. I, I think some of the some of the melodies melodies could be stronger. I think they at times, like you said, they go a little overboard in uh, trying to do too much. Where is with um, Jellyfish? You get the harmonies and sort of the lush, you know, vocal layering and all that sort of thing. Uh, here they try to go with lo-fi sounds or different voices, or right. Uh, and I don't necessarily think they always need to do it. Maybe to your point, you know that if they just kept it a little bit straighter um, and just leveraged more what this band, what 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 this band's talents are, that maybe they'd be, you know, better off in terms of making it, you know, a consistent strong record. That's right. Um, you know, maybe it comes off a little simpler at the end of the day but maybe that's uh, probably the right approach for this particular band.
2: Yeah. And in in some ways, you know, I like jellyfish, but there is a bit of like, it's so crafted that I find myself sometimes having a hard time getting into it. Whereas I don't like a song like illuminate, which is kind of, I guess the ballad on the song. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if jellyfish could pull that off because it is so simple -hmm. Compared to what they would do, but it's a really kind of cool take on a ballad. It has those like big dramatic, like descending chords, you know, in parts of the song, like dun 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 dun, that Mm -hmm. really, uh, you know, they're not, it's not complicated, but it's just placed well within the context of what they're trying to do in writing that sort of song. And I think that would have gotten overly. Thought out, and maybe wouldn't have been able to happen as a jellyfish song. So, I like the way that that's that kind of song is approached here, and a lot of the other songs where they're just like kind of like three and a half, four minute, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, throw a bridge in, maybe a solo, and then do the chorus twice and get out. Like that's I, I like that aspect of this band, whereas it would have been a much more complicated affair for better and, and worse in, in some ways if it had been, you know, a Jellyfish album.
1: What do you think of the stuff like Zodiac Sign and Playboy After Dark where it gets into this, like, uh, kind of a 60s mod, like, party vibe? Um, it, it sounds like it could be background music to Austin Powers.
2: <laughs> Ming-T. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, then this is obviously ahead of that, right? So... I don't know. What was your impression of hearing that kind of stuff?
2: Well, I like in Playboy After Dark, I like the back and forth kind of vocal thing that he uh-huh. does. Uh-huh. Um, that's cool. That's <laughs> cool. I mean, that, that organ combined with that, like, up-tempo rhythm, it does have this, like, that, like you said, like that mod kind of feel. Yeah. And um, a Zodiac Sign is the one that reminds me a lot of Zeppelin. It has sounds like Trampled Underfoot, mm-hmm. um that that keyboard part. hmm I mean, I like both those two songs. I, I think they're strong, uh, the stronger, two of the stronger tracks on the record. And I don't huh. m- mind them doing that sort of mod retro thing, um, because they're doing their own slightly warped version of it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about, you know, lyrically it's on par with what they, you would believe they would say. It's not like, uh, right. They're singing about stuff from the sixties or using terminology from that time or something like that. But I was just curious. I mean, I, Obviously, I'm super familiar with this stuff. I've listened to it thousands of times. So I'm just wondering, like, hearing that in 2016, how how it struck you.
0: Well, and
2: and in the sense of the Zodiac sign, I didn't get the sense that they were making a run at, like, trying to seriously tackle 60s Zodiac, um, you know, hookup kind of culture. I got mm-hmm. more of the sense that they were, like, sort of poking fun at, like, new age hippie ideas and and uh, and that kind of stuff would have been cool if it was actually written about like the Zodiac Killer, <laughs> or something, right? Right, bizarre like that.
1: I, I guess I'm referencing like uh, we talked about in the swing episode, right? Where it's like some of that swing music they use terminology where like yeah, like Go Daddy and you know what I mean, like st- stuff Hep you would have heard. Hep ca- yeah, and you're like, mm, do you really say that? Like people said that sixty years ago. No, no, no. you know. So if they would have done things like that. It, with that sound, it would be to me a, a huge like grown turn off. Um, but it's just uh, it comes across more of to me uh, now. I mean I'm obviously super familiar with it, but even now it still feels more like uh, an homage or inspiration as opposed to like a character. Yes.
2: No, I, I think I think uh, Eric Dover establishes his own sort of vocabulary within the idea of like glam the song that the the song or the song that sort of like captures that for me is breakfast by tiger parentheses kiss it all goodbye when he mm-hmm. when he sings in the chorus here's a handkerchief in case you cry and like the way that he delivers that with that like attitude like mm-hmm. it's very glammy but it's also like and it's and it's sarcastic and the word handkerchief is like cl- it's not something that like a kid uses you know it's a very old term Mm. um so it has this feel of like a throwback but in the context of i don't know what the title means in in the context of the song um other than kiss it all goodbye but breakfast by tiger is confusing but it's just got this right element or or this this perfect element of like of uh sass i guess you it'd be the word
1: yeah I think that and that's something that uh I think he does really well and better than he's more emotive than um yeah the singer from jellyfish, not to say that he's better that's not it's just, but he's different he's more emotive he's more of a Robert plant or a like he can do the vocal riff thing too, which you know they can cut the guitar out and he can just sing and it's right. compelling yep and that goes back to my point of. That lends itself more to just be simple, you know, just simplify down, which they do most of the record. They don't get over, overboard too much, but when they do, it, it becomes obvious. Of like, okay, you guys are trying too hard now. Just pull back, you know, and work with the with the the more organic sound that this band kind of has. I mean, I think the the drumming is really uh, Bonamesque in that, you know, there's a lot of like feel in there, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like kind of like with Bonham where you hear those ghost hits on the kick drum and like, it's just got tons of like room sound and, uh, cool, like drags and like little fills and things. And just sounds like a really good drummer playing in a room. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think when that kind of stuff comes across and the vocal is, you know, just straight up and the band's locked in, I think it, it works, you know, really, really well.
2: So let me ask you this. Why do you think this didn't do better? Because the band mm. pretty much, you know, broke up a year after this came out. Because there is a precedent for music like this selling. I mean, you in the same year that this came out, you had Placebo's debut record, which had a single in Nancy Boy. This was the year that Suede's third record, which was their comeback record, uh Coming Up came out, which had big singles in the UK with Trash and um, what was the other ones off that record? I don't even, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Chainsaw Kittens had been around in the United States, but they were never really as popular as either those bands, suede or Placebo, in the UK. Uh, but Space Hog had had uh, a single by this or had a single the same year. In the meantime, came out this year. I don't know know if there's any other ones that I'm thinking of, but there was definitely like some sort of aspect to the mid nineties that lent itself to a little bit of a, you know, a glammy element of these bands, not straight up glam, but just, you know, a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think and boy or girl, you know, made a little bit of a, a dent, I think. And part of that was the unique sound. Um, it didn't, I mean, nothing on the radio sounded like that at the time.
0: No.
1: The other part was, it's a clever American radio lyric. You know, are you a boy or a girl? You know, that's the kind of shit where the 90s was just overtaken. If you go through, they always had some little quirky, like hooky kind of lyrical thing. You know, what if God was one of us? What if. You know what I mean? Like every single hit song, all of those presidents of the United States of America, like every one of them had some kind of little like head turner, little hooky lyric in the chorus or somewhere in the song, usually the chorus, Well, that radio loved and played the shit out of it. And I think if this record had a couple more songs like that, you know, I think it, it would have had a chance. But as it is, that's really the only song where you're like, there's, like, you know, an obviously noteworthy or controversial or however you want to present that lyric um, in sort of the context of the song. Uh, it's the only song on the record that's clearly like that. The others are way more nuanced.
2: Yeah. Well, two years before this, Blur had Girls and Boys, that single.
1: Yeah. Which, right.
2: You know, is, and then I'm going to say this is 96. When did the Killers have, uh, what was that song? basically runs this it uses the same sort of boy or girl dynamic mm-hmm. it was on the 2004 album hot hot fuss um somebody told me was the name of the song yep so that's at least so there's three instances of of the boy or girl chorus
1: dynamic yeah I mean, play with the androgyny thing and yeah you know, there's a little like ooh, that's kind of controversial and whatever so at least in 1996 so i think that's got them some a little bit of notice i think radio played this a little bit at least where i lived and then it didn't have the follow-up you know it's everything else was a little deeper than that and yes that's enough for radio to ignore it so then they become an album band right and to be an album band well you gotta stick to it you Mm -hmm. know you kind of you gotta just go forward and Figure out a way to make it work. Take your advance, invest it in a studio, and just keep making records. And right. for whatever reason, that didn't happen. So
2: now the interesting thing is, Jay, is that there is actually still an Imperial Drag website. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I didn't. Imperialdrag dot It's 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 run as a fan website, and cool. you can go and listen to demos. Uh, you can. The last news update was from two thousand seven. So. Not the most up-to-date information, but it does have a lot of info that's been collected um, and links to what the other what the members have done. Apparently, if you're a fan of Imperial Drag, you're known as a dragaholic.
1: Wow, I didn't. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I like the band a lot. I didn't realize there was a name.
2: There you go, Jay.
1: Did you mention what the uh, Roger was it Roger Joseph Manning? What he what he does now?
2: What does he do now?
1: He's in the he's in Beck's band. He's been in that band for a while, long time.
2: Oh really? Yep. I did not realize that.
1: And he does like at, you know scores movies and basically a studio guy. But I think that's his main gig.
2: Right. Well, he's done. it's like four solo records. Two in 2006, one called Solid State Warrior, the other one called Land of Pure Imagination, and then he did Robo Sapiens in 2007 and Catnip Dynamite in 2009.
1: Um, And he he did the the cookbook stuff. That's him as well.
2: Yep. Um, He's also recorded with Air. the That band. He used to work with Jerry Flynn... And is credited on a number of recordings uh, playing keyboards for Blink-182. All right. And he's played with Morrissey. So, dude gets around. It's a busy dude. Yep. Jay, let's give our overall ratings on Imperial Drag. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. I'm going to go first, Jay, since this was your pick. And I'm going to say that this is a worthy... Album, I would place it at about nine songs. Like I said, there were probably like three or four just based on uh vocals that I didn't care for, uh, but I think musically all the songs are strong. Um, and I think this is one that if people have not checked it out, I feel like we got some you know, not just on our Patreon page, but also through Facebook and Twitter, we got some people reacting pretty positively. So I, I definitely feel like there's a a group of people out there who listen to the show <laughs> or are fans of the show <laughs> who have heard of this band. I immediately got them mixed up with Imperial teen. Cause when you said you wanted to do this record, I said, Oh, which album and you're like, no, no oh. they only have one record.
1: Oh, that's why you asked that. Okay.
2: Yeah. Because I, I vaguely remember this album coming out and, and playing uh, songs off of it in college, but I didn't remember other than boy or a girl. I really didn't remember it very well. So, that was basically my recollection of it. So, it was good to go back for me to check it out.
1: Sure. Your overall review, Jay? I'll add up. I'll the album. Um, I, I, you know, revisiting it, I can nitpick some things here and there, like I already mentioned. But, right. even within that nitpick, nitpicking, I think those songs are still, at, at worst, very good. So... Yeah, I, I I think this is a pretty unique sounding band. Um, all things said, from in terms of you know, there's no it's not experimental and it, it's certainly pop pop hard rock, but within that con, 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 constraints for the '90s, I think they had a sound that was that was pretty unique and uh, worth checking out. I mean, we don't we don't review that many records from the '90s that have really compelling keyboard playing. No. <laughs> you know? So this is, uh, you know, pretty cool from that standpoint. And, uh, you know, overall, I think the rest of the band is, 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 is really talented as well.
2: I want to remind everyone, like Scott earlier, you can go to our Patreon page and join us to leave feedback that will get re- be read on the episodes that we record. We post previews of our episodes so that our Patreon subscribers can chime in and give us their two or three cents worth of information. You can also join us uh, at the 250 level and you get a review after 12 months. Now, Jay, 12 months ago is when we launched Patreon and uh, our first 250 subscriber was Scott, Scott Russell Hallgrim and he is going to be... Uh, the first person to get our 12-month review. So we can look forward to our first review of 2017 will be his pick from his Patreon subscription. That's pretty cool. Excellent.
1: That's very cool. Yeah. I I think we'll put that in place. Uh, I know at least in the back of my mind, I was like, boy, I wonder if anybody will actually make it the whole year to do a review. We have quite a few. Uh, good.
2: Good. One for... Like I said, he he joined us in December, um, and the first, well, it was like at the end of December when we launched it, so it's, it counts as of January, and then I think we have two people join us in February, and a couple more after that, so, yeah, we've got quite a few, and then, uh, our good friend of the show, Gavin Reed, he has built up some, from previous years, he, he won our year-end contest, so he has, like, free reviews for a lifetime, <laughs> so he has, like, I think, like, three reviews coming up next year, uh, He's already informed me of what we're doing, so. <laughs> okay. We're spreading them out. Yeah. We're not doing it all at once. Uh, and uh, we'll have some other info on what we'll be doing for next year as well, so a lot of cool stuff. Uh, you can join us over at patreon.com forward slash Dig Me Out, And, of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us positive feedback over at iTunes. That's it. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
1: Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast
0: by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash digmeout or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.